0: Welcome back to the next episode of the Set Position. Uh, I'm your, your host Cole Orner, along with my co-host Zach Kruger. Uh, today we have two guests on with, with us, and uh, I'll go ahead and let Zach kind of give them the introduction. Yeah, we got, and then we'll get rolling with our topic for the day.
1: Yeah, man, we got uh, Eric Eisenhut, who is the director and owner of GK Icon in the Pittsburgh area. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. Um, Eric's heavily involved in the area um, with goalkeeping. He works with a group of us and, and helps us with, you know, private sessions and, and really a lot of goalkeeping in the Pittsburgh area, and he can expand upon that more. He you know, can talk about exactly what he does. He also works for uh, Robert Morris as the goalkeeper coach on the women's side, which is a Division One school here in Pittsburgh. And then we also have Mark Duffield, who is the head men's coach at Penn State New Kensington, which is, again, out here in Pittsburgh and he's also the goalkeeper uh director of goalkeeping at a local club called the Hotspurs. Thanks guys.
2: Yeah, thanks. Appreciate you having us. Yeah. yeah
1: thanks for having us guys.
2: Yeah, I I uh, I got I got I want to tell a story
1: about our to- our topic is communication and uh I got this story of like when I was just starting out and it's really embarrassing. So I want to start off with that. So Dude, Cole, I don't know if I ever told you this story or not, but you you know Michelle Fisher, right? Yep. Michelle. So Michelle is this uh, coach in in Lancaster. She's the first person I ever worked with as a coach. So I was like eighteen when I just started coaching, and uh, so I was raw, had no clue what I was doing. And we worked at this place It was called Penn Manor Soccer Club in Lancaster, and we did like the pre-K and K kids. So uh, I'm not I'm not good with little kids. Like I'm just, just not my area of expertise. Like I'm fine with like the pressure of college coaching and and those areas, but like little kids terrify me. So I was already in an awkward situation and I'm kind of like an introvert and awkward to begin with. So this was not a good situation for me, but I threw myself into it. So this first day, literally the first day of this, of this uh, like pre-K stuff. And me and Michelle are standing there and like, we have like, you know, all these kids running around and there's this one dad in this, in this little soccer player that came down the little hill, you know, to the field and um, and, she, and and he's like, all right, yeah, here, here you go. Like, And I was like, I think your group's over there. We had the boys and the girls, like, separated in two different halves of the field. And I was like, I think – and I was standing over with the girls. Like, I think your team's on the other side of the field. You know, she was big. She was a big little kid, like, really athletic. Dude, it was a girl, man. I felt so stupid in front of that dad. Oh, my gosh. It was <laughs> so embarrassing. And Michelle never lets me forget about it either. And now that girl's, like, in high school now, of course. But, um, yeah, just – Super embarrassing. Cole, what do you got, man? Because I think communication from a coaching point, you can go really poorly at times. It can go really well if you know what you're doing.
0: Uh, but, man, I was an idiot when I was younger. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. I mean, the one for me that sticks out was um, a couple years ago at a camp uh, and had a young goalkeeper that felt he was – god's gift to goalkeeping he thought he was on the best club team out there he was just this um, he thought he was just this stud and was gonna be like the next David De Gea or something like that (laughs) to me this kid it was like I'm sure we've all come across that kid that is so arrogant and is not willing to even listen to what you're saying as a coach to help them improve and every time I tried to talk to this kid it was he would try he would just turn away and not even listen or have He'd have some rebuttal for some reason that what I'm telling him is wrong and saying, oh, his club coaches are telling him this, so that's right. And It was the hardest time for me to try to communicate with this kid. And I got to a point, and I think it's sad to say, but I got to a point trying to talk to this kid that I just gave up on it. I didn't even give him any feedback anymore. I wasn't doing anything for him because I'm only there for four days with this kid at a camp. And on the first day, he already ruined – the experience he could have had if he would just listen. And I just remember getting then the camp director passed along an email to me and this kid's parents ripped me apart because I wasn't communicating with this child. And But lo and behold, they didn't realize that their kid wasn't communicating properly in the first place. He was trying to find every way possible to, to make it hard on himself at this camp. This it's crazy. I mean, what do you guys think? Where in terms of communication, have you had, situations like that how do you handle them where do you guys stand on that sort of stuff
2: mark i'm going to tell a story that includes both of us because i know you know who i'm talking about and we'll leave names out of this and zach you are actually i think you'll know who i'm talking about too oh, okay, cool. this is the
3: story <laughs> i was going to share so yeah go with
2: i we had we with a program that the three of us were associated with i'm going to leave all names of everything out of this we um we had a very similar person, and Cole. When this when this goalkeeper started, um, and he's been with this program for years, right? So, you know, Zach saw it probably just this year for the first time. I know, Duff, you've seen the, the the progression with this person over the last five five years, right? With and and same with me. And it was that it Cole. It was that exact scenario you just painted to a to a T. And not only, not only was it distracting to me and from the coaching perspective that with Mark as well, but it was distracting other players and it was distracting the quality of the session. And I, what I, what we, what we tried to do is basically explain to this kid, like, we're going to move on and we're not going to appreciate and we're not going to tolerate the antics of ignoring us but we are going to move forward as if you were part of the group or not part of the group. So you're not going to get our attention on it. Um, but it was, he was relentless and it never yeah. stopped. And, and I think even after five years of that arrogance, let's call it, we still were dealing with this, <laughs> but I think we slowly started to turn the corner on certain instances, but then all of a sudden the kid's the oldest guy in the group. So now all of a sudden that entitlement arrogance comes back and it was a vicious circle and we, it, it, I think it's we're at the end now. We're pretty close to our end of our tenure coaching this person based on his age. Yeah. Same time, it was tough, man. Like we had a, we I, I know a the three of us had a conversation just a couple months ago about this too. And it's hard, you know, it's it's real hard. But I, I'm I'm curious as to your viewpoints on that, fellas, as well as like what Cole. do we do in, in those situations? This kid, one I'm one not kidding, down on the head, man.
1: Like this kid was so arrogant. But I honestly think the kid that you worked with, because I know who you're talking about, Cole. That kid and this kid would be like even Stevens, man. Like really, dude. Yes, oh that's all of this.
0: Yeah, Mark,
1: I mean, Kelsey, I know you know who we're talking about. Oh <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I know. But <laughs> I, but
3: I, here's but here's the thing. In general, like that frustrates me from a coaching perspective. Is kids get to a certain some certain kids get to a certain level and they shut their mind off. Yeah, and yeah. they suddenly think that you know the next minute they're going to be like in premiership or, you know, worst case scenario, MLS. um, And they they just shut their mind off from, like, improving. I always say to people, like, it's even coaches as well. The second you shut your mind off to learning, you're done. You're not going to go anywhere. If you walk around like a peacock thinking you're the best thing since sliced bread, you're never going to get any better. The kid that may have been, like, two steps, three steps below you before – is going to go way above you because that kid's still super coachable, and you're just going to be like, just stale and go nowhere.
0: Yeah. No, and I think that's. I mean, you make a great point that the coachability part, I think, is is huge. I mean, a lot of these kids. That's all we're looking for from them is just to be, just to be coachable. You might not be the best athlete on the field. You might not have in goalkeeping. You might have the, not have the best feet, the best hands. But if you're coachable. We can help get you to a point that's going to make you better and be successful no matter where that leads you. If that just means that you're the starting goalkeeper for your high school team and then you're done, or if that means that you're maybe just the number two keeper on your, your club team and that's all. But being coachable gets you so far, not only in sports,
2: just in life. Cole, I love what you just said. And, and we've spoken about this too, like what separates the good coaches from the, bad, from the great coaches um, is, is that life lesson. You know, and if, yeah. if what's this kid going to be like in the job world? You know what I mean. Like, who's going to want to have this kid as an employee? And and I think they don't see it that. They don't see it that far out. But at the same time, he's this these with that attitude. They are developing very bad like characteristics that from an like an employee's perspective. Who'd want to hire this kid as an employee? Never mind, have him on, in in goal for your team, right? So now you're dealing with this kid forty hours a week, and the, the there's this arrogance. Slash attitude going at his at his at his manager because he's always had that relationship with his coach. So it's a total life lesson, and you hit it right in the head, Cole. With life lessons, I feel that the best coaches can do that. And you know, yeah. how, still, how do you do that? Like, what do you do to this kid? What do you say to him if it doesn't change? And and it's it's tough, man. Because I think if they can see the the value and the life lesson coming out of this, they might they might resonate a little bit more. But it yeah. takes a mature kid for that to happen. And and I think in both of our instances, I don't think we have the maturity with that person to truthfully deal with the situation at hand.
0: No, unfortunately not. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, just that coachability, that coachability piece is huge. But I think in the same respect, I think I don't want kids to realize, think that they can't have just a little bit of that chip on their shoulder, a little bit of arrogance about them or that men, that gritty mentality, because that also help get you along. The way. It's just now trying to find that balance of how can I be coachable but still have just that little bit of like, yeah, I'm going to get this. Like, I'm going to go after this. I'm going to, this is what I want. I, I, I've got knowing still in the back of their head that they're good because I think that helps create a positive environment for that kid to say that, yeah, I am good. And I can it's continue, a to, pleasure. continue to get better. Yeah. We, I mean, we, we talk a lot with Darian, right?
1: Cole, um, he plays for Charleston battery and he, he, he played in college with us and, we know we know him like really well, but he, he talks to, he talks a lot about like banter and Duffy. I'm sure there's a lot of banter from like <laughs> when you were a kid, right? Oh um, yeah, loads
3: of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where's
1: like where's the line with some kids? You know what I'm saying? Like with with banter compared to being like almost overly cocky.
2: I don't know if that was directed at Duff or. or yeah, who, but yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. run with it. And I, I think that's some things that you need, and and from my standpoint, like do you have a leader in your group? You know what I mean? Like what's, what's banter typically happens in the locker room, right. Or on the field during warmups or things like that. And, and it's, do you have the leadership or the culture in place where that like banter is banter, but it does, it can't get personal, right. Especially when you're dealing with kids and puberty and gosh knows the emotions run high and tension can run high, but is there a leader in that group when you're not present? And is that, has that culture been established where, those players aren't going to get away with it. And that's tough to build. I mean, Zach, we've spoken about this before. Like it takes yeah. years to, to create a culture. It could take one person or one moment to, to completely ruin it. Right? Yeah. So how do you yeah. get that culture in place where that is not acceptable? And that's tough, man. That's hard to do. But on the banter
3: front, though, I mean, I used to be one of the main banter guys, I guess you would say. But I also think, you know, like for me personally, you know who you can do it to. Do you know what I mean? And then you also know that there's there's a time and a place to work. There's also a time and a place to joke. And yeah. I think it's also that person knowing, like, okay, I can have a bit of a laugh with Zach, but with Eric, like, you know, I won't kind of, you know, blah, blah blah. And as a person, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I know I, am you know, I'm a bit of a laugh now doing this part, but the second my work starts, I'm going to bust the gut to work super hard. And then when we're done, the band can start up again.
1: Yeah, I mean, at my high school, I mean, I couldn't banter at all. Like, I, I felt like – I don't know if there was, like, some just anim- – like, I don't know. With my, the kids in my area where I grew up. And I don't know if it was, like, a social thing that, like, I was just this a-hole goalkeeper who always bossed people around. But, like, none of those kids played, like, club or cup or whatever you want to call it, you know. So, like, I, I feel like I was in a, in a really difficult spot because if I would, like, tell someone to do something during a game or a practice – like, after the practice would be over, they'd be like, dude, why are you, like, yelling at me? I'm like, I'm not yelling at you. It's just my job to to help with organization and, and stuff like that. It's like, banter, I feel like, is definitely one of those things that you got to know your audience that you're talking to. Because I couldn't banter at all with the kids in my in my high school. But then I got to college, and I was like, everyone was bantering. Everyone was ripping on each other. And it was just like, oh, so much fun. I love it. So one thing I miss from, like, playing was that all that banter, you know?
0: And Zach, doesn't that just make us – better players all together and we can find the right, I mean, you guys kind of touch. on, everybody kind of touched on it, is like us as a player, we're able to find the right player that we can banter with and who we can maybe poke yeah. fun out a bit and who the players we've got to back off a little bit, maybe be more, we've got to console that maybe not console, maybe not be the right word, but kind of put your arm around them and help them through whatever they're going through or be more positive and not so maybe removed from the banter a little bit. And yeah. I think as a right. goalkeeper, that's huge for us. goalkeeper has to be empathetic towards the players on the field.
3: I, I, to be fair, I want to jump on that. I agree with you there because I always go back to when I played, right? The goalkeeper had a left back who was the best, in my opinion, the best left back in our county, which is Suffolk. Fantastic player. But if you shouted at him, you might as well take him off. You might as well take him off. So he was like the arm around the shoulder type of kid. But then you had the right back, um, you could scream, you could shout at him, and that would get him motivated. And after the game, whatever was said on the field was totally forgotten, best of friends. And that kind of goes in the coaching. What players can you joke with? Which players can you give a little bit more, you know, you can call them out in certain situations, and what other players you need to be like, you know, drag, you know, take them to the side one-on-one, arm round the shoulder and kind of have a bit of a softer tone with I think the best coaches are the ones that know how to talk to players individually rather than just like scream and shower all of them at one time. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. yeah. Is there, I
1: mean, you guys both coach with different sides of the ball. And then, I mean, obviously with GK Icon, we all work with both genders. But do you, Eric, do you find a difference on the women's side compared to the men? Like, since you work on the women's side? Because I, I mean, I work on the women's side too, but I definitely yeah. see a little bit of that.
2: I, I see more banter with the men, but I see a, like tighter groups with the women. Mm-hmm. You know you know what I mean? Like I see a lot of banter with the fellas. And which is great. You know, but there you can see the you can understand who it irks and who it doesn't. Um but when the girls do it, there's there, there's more of a laugh behind it and more of a it's weird. I know mean, that's the one thing I've noticed just from my experiences with, with both sides. Um and obviously the it happens at a much not later age, but you know, banter typically that I've seen starts Know, teenage years and, and it, and it can, doesn't go away. You know, it's, it's there. It's, it's always in the locker room. It's always between, you know, like you were saying the specific groups or whatnot, but there's um, from a coach's perspective, how you handle that from a men's and a women's perspective is, is definitely different. And Cole, yeah,
1: you're, you're on the, on the side now, Cole. Yeah. I mean, you were on the men's side at Averett, and now you went to NC Wesley and now you're on the women's side. Did you see a difference between like a like a gender or is it just like a more of a personal thing?
0: I think it's more of a personal thing, so I think for me, even working on the men's side of Avert at times, I think there are there were guys that were just the way they act around everybody else, they could dish it out, but they couldn't take it. Mm-hmm. sort of thing. and then there's some of the ladies that are the same way at times where they're very willing to go ahead and yell at their other teammates for things that they're doing wrong. But as soon as it comes to them, them personally doing something wrong, don't, don't, don't yell at them. Don't say anything to them because then you're wrong for saying anything to them. If that makes sense. I mean, it's just, it's weird. It's, it's really, really shit. I think it, I think it does come down to the personal, more personal than it does uh, gender side of things. I think, there are several ladies on my team now who I can, I can have a go at and let them know that what they, I mean, whatever it is in that instance, I can raise my voice and yell, and they take it, and then they'll come and they'll have a conversation when they walk out the field. Hey, why, why'd you say this? And they take all the, they take all the emotion out of the situation and just purely talk about the facts about what was said. And I think that's huge for people too.
1: Yeah, Duff. I mean you've had like very diverse experiences and like that's something that the three of us would, I would say you would have the most experience in is that diverse experiences. I mean, you're from England. So it's just a little, it's just a different culture there. But like when you came over here, was that something that you struggled with? And, and, um, did have you call yourself in a, in a pickle every before, you know what I'm saying? Like,
3: yeah, well, yeah. Well, so for example, sometimes, um, so it's not very how fun. When I first came over here in two thousand and seven, and I worked for British Soccer, So I came over with. I was in North Carolina, and I always remember I, was, I had my first week. I was on a one-man camp. Right, I drove all the way, three hours to get there. Got there, and you know it's kind of different than the you know. Well, you're, Cole, you're down in North Carolina, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so I, yeah, so I was down there, and uh, the language you use sometimes. So I remember. It was, Again, this big camp... Or sorry, one-man camp. It turned into, like, more kids... More and more kids kept showing up. And my regional director was there. And I, but I said something really, you know, like, innocent as far as I knew. I was like, oh, hey, Eric, that's one hell of a save. Like, one hell of a save? Like, I didn't think yeah. nothing of it. But, like, these kids are in shock. And, like, the director's like, oh, my gosh, Mark, you can't say that. You can't use that. Like, I know it. And then, like, also... Um, Zach and Eric, as you would well know, sarcasm. Oh, um,
1: yeah. you
3: know, like like you know, like in again, in England we're very sarcastic. That's our humor. If you watch the English you know, Ricky Gervais and all those guys, their humor is very you know, <laughs> it's very sarcastic. And I'm very sarcastic. When I first came here, I had to realize that sometimes well, people think you're being serious. And again, I remember when we were doing a camp one time and me and this other English lad, it'd be a banter. And he'd, and I said something to him, she goes, oh my gosh, you she just thought we were be being serious, but it's like just being sarcastic. So I did have to learn, you know, like the American ways of, okay, sometimes you've got to tone it back a little bit because yeah. you know, sarcasm is not really a thing. I let you know, but as, as I, you know, I'm moving now, 2020, you know, I, I first come out here 2007. I moved here 2011. So I've kind of learned, you know, how to kind of, uh, speak in certain areas i guess and realize your audience but you know everyone everyone now is a lot more um comfortable sarcasm i think and i think you and zach yeah. and eric do a great job of understanding the sarcasm
2: <laughs> At least yeah. with you right right zach? Yeah. <laughs> dude i gotta tell you man like i was a
1: teacher in maryland uh for two years after I graduated from college and they they gave us like this huge lecture on sarcasm and not to use it ever with high school kids they're like they don't understand it. They won't they won't understand sarcasm unless it's like very basic sarcasm. So I, I totally get that. But I'm I'm very sarcastic too. So my issue is like I'll be making a joke with a kid. I'd be like, oh, you think you did a good job on that project? Oh, okay, yeah. Good, okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and the kid would totally think I'm just being a prick, but I'm just being sarcastic. So I would always always try to catch myself with that stuff too. You know, they just don't get it, you know. Love it. Eric, yeah. what about you, man?
2: I was actually thinking from a communication perspective, I was I'm curious on not only dealing with like kids and, and, and sarcasm and as they grow, they get it a little bit more, but mm-hmm. I'm curious on like the, the change when who you're addressing, right? So when they're younger, you know, a lot of communication goes to the kids, but we also include parents. Yeah. And then as we get older, you're supposed to <laughs> like deal less with the parents and more with the kids. And even in, in the college, it, it, I, I see coaches still dealing with parents at the college level. And I'm always curious yeah. what people's perspective is on that. The pros and the cons on the communication with the parents. And, and when when do you uh, pull the binky, so to speak, right? And, and, and I don't, I have, an, I have an idea, but I'm always curious of what other people's thoughts are on that. That's my biggest struggle sometimes is, is around something like that.
1: Yeah. And yeah. I, Cole, I don't know how you sell it in recruiting. I mean, Mark, same with you, but, like, I feel like when I'm recruiting a kid and I have them in my office, that's one of the first times I talk to their parents. And then usually the second time I talk to their parents is on their senior day. You know, that's how much I really want to talk to their parents, to be realistic. But it's going to be more than that. You know what I'm saying? Like, at a college level, it just is. I think there's been a cultural shift where, like, parents are becoming more and more involved at a later age, so, you know, I don't know. I think you got to take what parents say with a grain of salt, and you can't take it personal. You know, especially if it's like after a loss, and they're like, "Oh wow, what a great decision you had there!" Like, why did you make that substitution? And like, they're gonna come at you. So, and they don't realize they're coming at you either. That's what's also like annoying. But I don't know. I like for like you know tailgates after a game. Like, let's just say like, you know we lost a game, and I have a tailgate after. I avoid parents as much as possible but you're always going to run until, you know, and I just try to smile and nod, you know, g- try to get the topic off of the game, try to talk about how their lives are going or something like that. But dude, I struggle with it, man. I really do. That's not my strong, my strong point. Cole, I don't know if you're any different And Mark. You're probably better in that situation than me. So
0: I, I'm awkward about that stuff still. I'm still learning. Like, like Eric just said, I'm, I'm learning that still. So I, I find it hard at times when I've built a good relationship with a couple of the parents on the team just because of their – just through the players themselves. And I think I find it hard at times to walk off the field and not want to say hello to them because they've traveled from Pennsylvania or New York or uh, Northern Virginia. And I find it hard at times to not at least say hello to acknowledge them. But it's trying to find the right balance of – talking about the game and then now we're diving into the game and breaking down every piece of what just happened where i'm okay maybe having a a back and forth a quick discussion about the game and just saying like yeah that game went well or that went bad and maybe here's something we should have done differently or here's something we did well but then once it gets beyond that point for me like I've right. got to find I got to find that right way to stop the conversation yeah. and or shift it to a different point um I mean Mark what do you see it uh at Kensi- New Kensington or even at the club level
3: yeah so like we get started with New Kensington like so we for a number of our away games they tend to be a lot in state there's a couple of out-of-state games too and we do have a number of parents who would come and follow us and I'd always go over there and Win, lose, or draw. Saying thank you very much for coming. Thanks for coming to support the guys. I try not to get involved in any, um, you know, tactical details. It's very much just the hey, thanks very much. Have a good trip back, and then obviously their kids go and chat to them for a little bit. When it comes to recruitment-wise, um, it tends to be a lot with the kids. Obviously, a lot of interaction with the kids, and then um, they, you know, like phone calls and stuff like that. Then once they said from Zach said, once the actual official visits come, will you go and watch them in a the game? That's when you kind of interact with the parents, and again, I mean, I, I think I've got a decent personality where I can kind of adjust to the parents or the uh, players, so I kind of cater towards them. I won't talk too much tactics, just you know, general stuff about the about the school and a lot more about the uh, actual education side of things. I think parents want to le- want to know more about the education rather than the nitty. For me personally, what I found and the nitty gritty of the tactics, mm. um, and then. Going on to club soccer, I mean, you you know, uh, there's tournaments, you know, you 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 can't help but see the parents. And I do like to interact with parents. Again, I have to be personable, but I don't want to get into a situation where I'm one-on-one and we're talking about team and team tactics. You know what I mean? I try and keep it friendly and just a general conversation.
2: It's interesting because I marked to that point regarding talking to parents. It's like there are two types of conversations, right? It's that casual hello great game yeah. nice to see uh let's have a beer over a tailgate at the end of the game or whenever right social scene we'll call it and then yeah. there's that parent who has always been heavily involved with their child for their whole life and has always been in the coach's ear and they look to continue that even in the college and one thing i w- one thing i witnessed i'll never forget this it was a it, it was a monday after a weekend game and a uh a parent called the coach I just happened to be standing there and the coach put this on speaker so we could all talk because it was around a goalkeeper decision and it was a basically benched one player put it in another Mm -hmm. and this parent basically started like ripping our decision and the the head coach stopped him in almost mid-sentence and says I'm gonna stop you right now because here's what I know I know your daughter is an adult and I know your daughter has had these conversations with me and with coach Eric for this whole season and you're getting one version of the story, but you're, but you're getting a version from an adult and your kid is an adult. Now they can handle themselves. If they want to talk to me about our decisions, it's on the, the person, meaning the player to come talk to us, not the parent. I will talk to parents about the social aspect of it and this and that, but I will never get into backing up my decision or supporting my decisions to a parent Based on a decision that we made and it ended it right there. And it was said politely, but it, it really put the parent into right into their place kind of, but what happened was to take it the next step, parents today still feel entitled to go, Hey, that coach didn't listen to me. I'm going to go talk to the AD now about how the coach, and it's crazy about how much access parents have and how much control they have over situations. They'll go right over the coach now to the AD. And it, yeah. it's, to me, it's disgusting. Like I have a, have a hard problem with that. I try not to be that parent with my own two sons. Um, and, and I do, I try and just remain like, out of it and neutral, but you see some of these parents that don't. And I'm always curious what other coaches do when, you know, parents have been in that coach's year were, for 12 years now, since they've been eight. Now they're 20 and they're still doing the same thing to that college, that college coach. It's a head scratcher to me, but I, I did yeah. see one coach handle it quite well. But again, they went to the AD. Now what do you do? It's <laughs> yeah. so It's weird. It's different than back when we were all in college. I can promise you that.
0: Yeah. Hopefully your AD backs you.
2: You'd like to believe so, right?
0: Yeah. I think think it's important that, I mean, especially earlier on now, especially at that club level, I think it's important for us as coaches to help give that player a voice, for them to feel like they can come and have a conversation with us, whether it be about their playing or things that they need to improve or whatever it may be surrounding – the game, or even just as we kind of talked about earlier on, life in general. I think it's important to give for the players to feel that they have a voice in those situations and that it's not always them going to talk to their parents and then their parents coming to talk to us. Yeah.
1: Is there a way that, like, you know, I mean, we all work at the youth level at some degree. You know, Eric, I think you're more involved in the youth stuff than. Than I am, and probably what Cole is, but I mean, we're all doing different stuff. Is there a way, like, that you guys handle relaying information from, you know, let's just say, um, you know, Mark, you you're working with uh, an ODP player or something with a goalkeeper, and then is there a way that you're relaying that information before that parent would come to like your director? I don't know anything about ODP and stuff, but you know, like, let's just use that as an example. Is there is there a way that you Expediate that information so that you can kind of get ahead of that if there would be an issue that will come up.
3: I'll go to my director
2: of goalkeeping, Eric. <laughs> Thanks, oh. man. Threw me out of the bus. <laughs> 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 it, one thing I love about ODP though, real quickly, I'll get Mark back to you. They they literally tell all coaches and directors, only oh, there's yeah. only one voice in ODP, and that's the, the DOC of everybody. If you have an issue with a coach, you have an issue with another player that's who you speak to. And it goes both ways well, from, I like that. from coaches yeah. to him as well as back and forth. So, well, on
3: a, Sorry, on a, right. on a serious note, about it, that is the best that's the thing I love about ODP. Like Eric just said, there's literally one ahead. everything filters through to the DOC. They always say, like, don't talk to the parents. We we'll deal with everything. And that's a, all we have to do really is just coach and coach. And that's fantastic. And, you know, I feel like everyone knows their place there. They always know that they go through – through the direction of coaching,
2: which is great. And, and that's a culture thing, right, Mark? I mean, that's yeah. just like – it's communicated at the to all parents, to all players, and to all coaches the exact same message. So if we – I don't want to say snub a parent, but if we just quickly talk to them and move on, they understand why.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Eric, when you were a kid – uh, Mark, when you were a kid in England, did any parents ever go up to, like, their coaches and be like, you don't know what you're doing?
3: <laughs> oh, you, to be fair – um i think you would you would think so because pretty much we all grew up on the game right um actually played it um but not really i don't remember i think everyone knew their place there wasn't when i played anyway I, I never used to see parents you know call up the coaches and wonder why their kids not playing or try and discuss tactics because simply the coach would turn around and say here you go if you think you can do better come over here and do it <laughs> you that. know quite simple. i mean i think people would be in England, because <laughs> the youth system is so different, you know, in comparison to here, there's no club soccer in England. Um, a guy would be like, hey, if you think you do better, come and take my job in a real sarcastic way. I, I just never I never used to see parents approach the coach.
1: I used to do that when I used to ref a lot. <laughs>
3: That's why I could never referee. That's the one. I, I did it one time. I used to live in Indiana PA. And I did this. I was coaching at this. It was like IUP in-house league when I was living there and I refereed this for a couple of weeks and I was like I am never ever gonna do this again because it was the worst experience ever you know I didn't realize how hard the referee's job was until I was in their shoes for a right. couple of weeks
1: yeah it's a very yeah. different perspective
2: I
3: it really is again. that's it why really I never shout the referees anymore feel <laughs> <laughs> cool for you about
0: it well We uh I know Zach and I really appreciate you guys both coming on today. And I think it's been a great conversation just in regards of just all all around communication from coaches to players to parents, all that um input there. And I think kind of let's go ahead and finish this off with what would be, Eric, you can go ahead and lead us off here, what would be one piece of advice you would give to a young coach in terms of communication?
2: Don't stray. So whatever whatever you decide on your way of doing things is don't stray for a player or a parent, like keep it consistent. And I think the more you can, can keep it consistent in, in the public eye in particular, the better, you know, we, we talked about that player earlier. Like we were consistent. Like we were, we gave him the same message. We all three of us did too. We're on, and he would try and manipulate one coach over another when he had him in that individual session. And it, it's tough. Right. So it's, it's one of those things like don't stray, just, just stay to what, how you do it, stay to your culture, build your culture and keep it strong
0: like that.
3: Mark. I would say um, pretty simple. You set your boundaries, you set your expectations X, Y, and Z. This is what I'm going to do. And like Eric just said, you stay consistent. You don't do special treatment for one player over another, because that just, that just starts the dominoes effect. Stick to your principles. Let your team and let the parents know right off the bat what your expectations are, what the contact is or what the contact isn't, and just stick through that the whole time. And once you show them that and you stick to that, I guarantee they're, they will respect your, um,
0: your decision. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, we really appreciate it. Zach, thanks again. Um, it's, been a, it's been a great topic to co- talk about, and we really appreciate you guys taking your time to be on the set position today. Thank, thank you very much guys. That, thanks for
2: having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, exactly. I really appreciate your time with us. Thank you very much.
0: Oh, you guys have a good one. Thanks you for joining too. us on this episode of the set position.
2: Thanks guys. Bye.